Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Are you enjoying your pizza? I am. It's really good. What kind I just of... finished my second second pizza, and I might have a third. You're wolfing <laughs> down uh, slices of pizza, Mom? I am. What kind of pizza is it? It's, um, it's pepperoni and um, green pepper and uh, mushrooms and little meatball things. Pretty tasty, huh? I would have preferred bacon to the meatballs, but... Is that what you ordered when you ordered it? Did you say, I'd like little meatball things on my pizza? Well, I just picked their supreme one. Oh, okay. And it comes with meatball. It comes with meatball. Are you um, ready for my van trip? You know, I'm about to go out into the into the wilderness. No, I know. I can hardly wait. You've been out to the grade ready to go on that van trip for about two months now. Are you impatient like can, everyone else is on my social media? Are you growing impatient? I think that, that, would, that would probably be true, yeah. You are? Mm-hmm. I want to I see all the excitement and of the trip and the beauty of the national parks. So you're not worried and about where, me? where else you end up? You're not worried about me at all. You're not worried about me at all. Um, Yeah, I am a little bit, you know, like I am. Of course I am. Out in the middle of nowhere by yourself with a little puppy who is not exactly, although she can bark, she's not exactly, you know, um, a fearsome dog. (laughs) Well, what's, what's there to be afraid of? Well, okay, so like we, you know, I mentioned yesterday in the desert, there's all sorts of, you know, poisonous things. And, you know, there are all sorts of lunatic people in the world nowadays, it seems, too. So you're worried about lunatics? (laughs) Aren't you? No. No. I don't know. There seems to be a lot of... uh, um, you know, tense situations happening in America at the moment. It's all in the cities. It's all organized. People go to these protests. I'm not driving towards the lunatics. I'm driving away from the lunatics. I'm going to be in the uh, middle. But you might, you might find some weirdos living in the backwoods, Tom. I'm in the weirdo. I'm the weirdo living oh, okay. in the backwoods. Oh, okay, good. No, the places I'm going are so remote that the only people there are going to be salt-of-the-earth people, you know, campers, hunters, fishermen. It's not going to be a bunch of lunatics protesting and fighting and throwing Molotov cocktails. It's, you know, going to conflict. Uh, No, I'm not saying... The protesters are lunatics. Of, I'm not saying the protesters people. are lunatics, by the way. I'm saying the, there's not, it's not there's the counter-protesters. 
you know, going to start a fight. It is not going to be any of that stuff. I'm going to be in the no. mountains. I'm going to be in the mountains. The only Where thing do you I, think the counter-protesters come from? Well, everyone comes from everywhere. It's from the Internet. Everyone's got a different opinion. They all converge in these hot spots, and they go get in a big argument, and they take videos for their Instagrams, and, uh, and they try to, uh, you know, be involved in something, which is good if it's a good cause, but I just think that I'm not getting involved. I'm driving out into the mountains. I'm not worried about running into lunatics. Okay, good. Well, I, I'm glad. I'm the lunatic. But you will keep in touch with us, so should you do run into a lunatic, we will be able to um, send help. If I run into a lunatic, it's going to be too late. <laughs> so I'm going to do a lot of great video. I'm going to make some music, and I'll have some cool stuff to send to you, okay? Okay, good. And I have, good, G- good. I have Jim Norton on the show today. Oh, good. And Jim, I remember Jim Norton. Um, we saw his show in Mesa at the Mesa um, Tempe, maybe Tempe. At the Improv. Improv. Yeah, at the oh. Improv. Oh. I remember. I remember when you were staying in Tempe, and uh, Jim was performing, and uh, he gave you he tickets. Hooked us up with tickets. He yeah. ho- he hooked you up with some tickets. And you went yeah. down to the show, and and did you meet Jim after the show? Yeah, we did. We stopped and had a, just a quick chat and said, you know, we were, you know, you were our son. And so we, we didn't really. There were tons of people waiting. And I think he was, maybe he was selling a book or something at the time. Yeah. Or, or I can't remember exactly. Maybe he was selling T-shirts. I don't know. Something. So we didn't want to keep him from, you know, his fan base who were, you know, there were many people lined up. A lot of people don't realize that, that, you, Mom, are a, a big Jim Norton fan. No, I suppose they don't know that. People don't know that about you. <laughs> right? That's true. That's it's, kind, it's, true. It, it's a bit unexpected, right? For a Canadian lady from, from Barrie, Ontario, <laughs> born in what year, what, what year were you born, Mom? Oh, Tom. That is a totally improper question to ask a lady. Okay, okay. But I'm just saying... It was 1946. 1946, you were born. Not exactly Jim's target demographic. (laughs) Possibly not. But uh, you uh, like your stand-up comedy, right? Absolutely. That's cool. Absolutely. Well, it was nice... It was, Tom Green. It was nice of him to uh, invite you, and uh, that was. It f- was very nice. It was a few years ago. You you don't you don't spend your winters in Arizona anymore, but uh, but you had a lot That's of true. a lot of good years there. Well, good. Well, I'm going to talk did. to I'm going to talk to Jim now. Anything you want me to pass along to him? Oh well, you can say thank you for the tickets, and um, you know, say hi and all the best. All right, I'm going to tell Jim Norton that Mary Jane Green said hi. Okay, good. All right. It's going to be the first thing I say to him. Okay. All right. He'll wonder who I am. (laughs) No, he'll know. He'll remember. I'll say my mom says hi. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. All right. Thanks, Mom. Have a good show. Yeah, I'm going to talk to Jim now. Thanks. I'll talk to you later. Okie doke. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 
Always nice to chat with Mary Jane Green. You know my mom. Uh, She's been on the show for years, of course, making appearances on the podcast. But also, back in the day, painting the house plaid, painting their car, waking them up in the middle of the night. My mom and dad have always been very supportive of me. And mom likes pizza. Uh, She also had a good time at Jim Norton's show a few years ago at the Tempe Improv. I'm going to be talking to Jim very soon. He's going to be calling momentarily. You know Jim. He's an incredible podcaster, broadcaster, comedian, actor, writer. uh, And it's going to be a real thrill to be able to chat with him. Both stand-up in New York. He's a New York-based comic. What's going on with comedy right now in the age of COVID coronavirus? But also... uh, Maybe we'll talk a little bit about some of his acting work. He portrayed a young, uh, a young Don uh, Rickles. He portrayed a young Don Rickles, um, legendary comedian, in uh, the movie The Irishman with uh, Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. So as a New Yorker, I'm sure that was a thrill. Uh, but uh, listen... This is going to be great. Before Jim comes on, I just want to give everyone a real update. My mom and I were just talking about me taking off in the van. I am taking off in the van. I want everybody to follow on my social media. If you don't know what I'm saying by in the van, we're living in a time right now where I have just purchased a van. I am building my studio in it, and I'm going into the wild. And very soon after this broadcast has aired, uh, I, I will be in the wild. I may even be in the wild already. I'm taping this right now, a few days before I go into the wild. So go to my Instagram, follow along there. Uh, I'm going to be podcasting from the wild in the studio. People are going to be calling into the show in this studio that I've built in a van. It's state-of-the-art, uh, cutting-edge technology. And uh, and I, I really honestly want you to understand, well, what's the purpose of that? I mean, you, you, it's the same show, but at an event, no. I'm, I'm recording an album. It's a country comedy rap album, C-C-R-A-P. I call it crap. And, uh, and I'm going to be very, very relaxed. And I'm going to find inspiration in nature. And the same goes to the podcast. Uh, in a few weeks, I'm going to be hosting this show and speaking to my guest, but I might be staring at a, a, a mountain in New Mexico, or I might be in the middle of the desert or in a forest, and it's going to be quite an incredible, incredible and unique situation. So uh, I look forward to it, and it's happening now, and my mother probably has a right to be a little nervous. I'm a little nervous. I don't know what's going to happen. It is a weird time, but I am going to remote places, and I'm hoping to be the only one there. So, it's going to be cool. Um, You may not know this about me, but I'm quite the survivalist. Uh, I'm quite the outdoorsman. Uh, I've spent a lot of time growing up in Canada fishing and uh, living outdoors, canoeing and uh, traveling in the wild, growing up in camp and in expeditions that my uh, military captain father sent me on, often against my will. So, uh, but I am happy that he did because I picked up a lot of things and I'm going to be using a lot of these skills that I have starting now. So, follow me on Instagram, follow along on Twitter, follow along on Facebook, follow along on the YouTube channel where I'm going to be putting some very cinematic images uh, and videos and films that I'm going to be creating. Uh, and editing all from the wild, posting from the wild. It's uh, going to be quite extraordinary 
technically the fact that this can even get pulled off. So I'll explain more in detail about that, but I don't want to go on and on and on and on and on right now. I want to talk to Jim. So here's Jim Norton. Hey, how you doing? Very good. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? <laughs> yeah, awesome. You sound great. Awesome. How am I? You sounding good. Sounded good. You're in New York, of course. Um, yeah. Did your show today? Did you just do your show? Well, we do it from 7 to 10 in the morning. Um, so, yeah, I finished a few hours ago. I actually just taped UFC Unfiltered. Oh, okay. uh, I taped that podcast Monday and Wednesday in the afternoon. So Monday and Wednesday, I got the morning show and then the UFC podcast. So is you have the one podcast and then the radio show, or is there more than one podcast, just so I, my listeners know? Well, there's one. There's a UFC podcast twice a week. Plus uh, the radio show four days a week, plus the Chip Chipperson podcast one night a week. <laughs> right. So it, it's three three podcasts and four days of radio. I knew there was more than see, isn't it? It's kind of amazing right now. Lots of people have multiple podcasts. It's kind of an incredible amount of information out there for people to listen to. Is this a, a sort of like a renaissance period in radio, isn't it? You know, I, I'm not sure because so many people are doing it. So it just kind of feels like there's 10,000 people running around with megaphones. Like, you know, a guy with a megaphone, everyone used to listen to. But when 10,000 people are screaming into them, it's just, you know, people listen for a second and they listen to the next guy yelling. So I, I feel like I'm, a bit, I'm getting nothing done pretty much. That's what I feel like. Right. I, I did. Is it is it kind of fun to have? Sort of a, a secondary podcast, though, because you can kind of, I don't know, not that you don't fuck around on your actual radio show, but is, can you fuck around even more on the other one? Or, or <laughs> I could probably fuck around on the radio show more than the UFC podcast, just because we have a specific thing to talk about. And on Chip, I'm just a total asshole. I mean, you know, it's complete nonsense. So I, I would say the radio show, I have a lot of leeway to do, to talk about anything and to fuck around about anything. Uh, because Chip is just a you know, blithering idiocy. Yeah. Now, uh, so obviously we're we're recording now, right? We're rolling. I, I, I sure. You know, I obviously don't have to say that, but I figured I would. This isn't a. Uh, sure. You, you know, sometimes you call up a sh- uh, a show and 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 you think you're having this sort of. You're not sure if you're actually on or if you're having the pre-show banter, and then you kind of have to ask. Yeah. I just figured I'd just tell you yeah. that, that this is actually. Yeah, no, I always prefer to record. I appreciate that too, and that's why if someone comes in studio, I don't. I try not to talk beforehand because you don't want to like get the great story before you're on the air. Yeah, yeah. I had a. I, I've probably said this on my podcast before, but I don't think I've said it to you. Ed McMahon used to come up to my internet streaming show back in the back in the day, but way, way back in two thousand and five. Uh, and, uh, we would sit around and, and I remember the first time he came up, he would, we were in the hallway, you know, at my house and my, just off my living room, getting ready to interview Ed. And I started talking to him about Johnny and what was Johnny like? And, and he says, he looks at me and he sort of didn't look like he was being very friendly. You know, he wasn't talking to me. And then he said, don't leave it in the hallway, Tom. (laughs) Yeah. And he's right. Yeah. Yeah, because you end up having those real natural conversations before you go on. Then you end up going, oh, geez, I really like that story that we talked about when we were off there. Let's try to repeat that. And then it just comes off like a, I mean, it, so when you, when you were, works. when you were growing up in, 
you you must have been just a huge Howard Stern fan, I'm guessing, right? No, you know, it's funny. I never really listened to Howard uh, because my, my dad would listen to Imus. So ah. I always liked Imus because my father would listen to him. And that was just kind of, I, I, I knew who Stern was. But I didn't, I probably didn't hear Stern broadcast until I was doing comedy, um, you know, and, and driving to a gig or driving home from a gig late at night um, in the early, early 90s. But I, no, I was never a, a Howard fan um I didn't dislike him either. I just never really listened to him. Wow, that's that's really interesting. I mean, because I just would have assumed, you know, you're right there in the building where he does his show, right? Do you see him walking around the hallways ever, or does he have a, a escape route that he takes, a secret elevator? <laughs> no, well, he does take a big elevator, but he has to walk down the hall to get it. He takes his own elevator. <clears throat> but I've met him, um, I've seen him a couple times, and we've met once or twice. Like, I saw him in the hallway and I stopped and I just introduced myself to him. I said, uh, I said, Hey man, I'm, I'm, I'm Jim. And he goes, oh, I know who you are, man. And he goes, you're really funny. And he was very nice to me. And, uh, you know, because I had done Beth's show with Steve Sharippe years ago. His wife had a, 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 a show before that, uh, a TV show and I had done it and she was really very sweet. And I talked to her a few times when I bumped into her and he was like, Hey man, thank you for always being nice to, to Beth. Like, you know, I guess he appreciated me not being a dick because of the whole O&A thing. So I've right. only met him a couple of times, but he's been very nice uh, right. when I've talked to him. How, how are you doing with, I mean, and I'm sure you've answered this question a, a, a thousand times this year, but how are you doing with this sure. stand-up being kind of put on hold? Or, or have you been doing stand-up? Have you been doing outdoor shows at drive-ins and things like that? Or, or how are you coping with all of this crap? Dude, I've done, I've done none, and I'm handling it like amazingly fucking well. Like I, I literally, there were, I was so obsessed with stand up for 30 years. Like, yeah, as time goes on, you take a few days off here and there, Yeah. but there were, there were times where I just, I, I would, I mean, I, there was one year I took off, like it might've been 10 or 12 nights. I didn't do shows. Wow. Yeah, like, okay. you know, I, I was obsessed, uh -huh. but because nobody is really doing it, I'm handling it. Okay. Because I don't feel like I'm missing out <laughs> now that people are starting to go back to it. I'm like, ah, you know, like my dates are pushed back, I think, to early next year. So now I'm kind of getting antsy to go back on because everybody else is starting to do these outdoor shows. But I keep thinking about I don't want to talk into a fucking mic that everybody's talking into yet. Right. Um, once it once it, once there's a vaccine, even if it's not approved, I'll, I'll start doing it again. But I'm, a, I'm still a little bit nervous, I guess. Right. So even a vaccine that doesn't work will give you enough confidence to start talking into a dirty microphone. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean come on i mean i i believe me i i, I fucking I, I never wore condoms long before there was an AIDS cure so it's not going to stop me uh but i i will uh i just kind of want to wait a little bit man i just a teeny bit to uh and, until it's a little bit more normal again i don't want to stand out in a park and fucking bomb you know i've bombed enough in, in my life to, to not want to do it right now for no reason it seems like outside it wouldn't have the impact because, you, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I, I've, you, we've done outdoor shows, of course, at music festivals yeah. and things like that. And usually the crowd standing at a music festival, that's the last outdoor show I did. So it was a little different. It kind of felt a little bit more like getting up on stage before a band. I think that's exactly what it was. But you don't get that echo. Yeah. You don't get the, the reverberation of the laughs off the ceiling of the club or the you know, it, it just doesn't it doesn't feel like it would be the same, but I guess if that's all you can do, that's all you can do. Right. Yeah. And it, it's never a good vibe when you lose the laughs when they're going up in the air. 
like for for an outdoor show to be good. I've done those tent shows like at Bonnaroo and I did uh, Rock on the Range and the crowds are pretty nice. Like they're not shitty. They don't heckle because um, half of them just want to get into the air conditioned tent. So they're just happy to be sitting somewhere that's not fucking hot. <laughs> but yeah, they're never great shows. Uh, and the outdoor shows, I've done enough. I did a show. It was uh, on Sixth Avenue in that in Bryant Park years ago. I think it's the first time I ever met Jimmy Fallon. It's like around. I mean, guys, got to go back, you know, twenty, twenty-one or nineteen years ago, and everybody bombed but him. Like, you know, he had the guitar. I think he was on SNL at the time, and everybody bombed except for him. So I'm like, that's what you got to do to survive outdoors. You got to have something different than just regular stand-up. How's the comedy scene handling this in New York? I, you know, I think the last time I saw you was I bumped into you down at the Comedy Cellar. I mean, that's such a hub for everybody in New York. Is it? Is it? Is there a sadness or is there is there a resilience? What's 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 happening? You know, I think everybody's kind of looking at it like it sucks, but everybody's dealing with it. Like when you know everybody else is kind of suffering it makes it a little bit easier because you don't have that. Oh fuck, I'm failing. You know? Um, so I think that any, everybody's just kind of grateful who has a podcast or has something to do. People are very miserable about it and getting antsy. But I think the fact that we're all dealing with it makes people go, you know what? I, I don't feel as bad just because I know nobody is on the road really doing, you know, yeah, Bert, Bert Kreischer is doing like a drive-in tour, but that's, no, that's not something that everybody can do or even wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, have you heard how the comedy clubs are are faring as far as their ability to kind of, I mean, are, are any clubs going out of business? Like, I don't even want to put that out there, but I mean, is has, I've heard, I know. you know, I, I can imagine I it can't be easy to just shut your business down for a year if you've got rent, especially if you're in New York City. I'm sure rent is not cheap. You know, I haven't heard of any New York clubs going under. Um, on the road, I've heard some that might not open. Oh, you know, I heard, uh, what's the one in Austin? Is it yeah. Fucking, Cap city. Uh, I heard Cap, Cap city. Yeah. Cap city. Uh-huh. Too bad too, man. I did that one once and that was such a great room. Um, I mean, really, really nice club. Like it had, I love those clubs that had like shows in the eighties, you know, like they have a great history and so many great comedians have gone through. So I'm always sad when one of those shits the bed. But, you know, it, it guess it's just hard when you're making no money. And, you know, you got to pay rent. Do you? Yeah, so do it you won't f- surprise me if more of them go down. Yeah. Do you feel the energy when you go into, I think you kind of just said that, but when you go into a, an old club like Zany's in Nashville or, you know, the Comedy Store or, you know, the Cellar or any, any club that's been there and through all this history, do you feel the energy of the legendary comedians that have stood on that stage before you? Yes, but I and I'll look at their old headshots, uh, like you know, the, 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 there's uh, the comedy cabaret in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, which I love. There's uh, the old Punchline in Atlanta. But you know what I do when I'm in these clubs more than the like I'll look at yeah, yeah, yeah there's Shirley Hemphill or Pryor. But what I really want to look for is the guys I've never heard of. Yeah, like I'm fascinated with looking at a headshot of a guy. Uh-huh. Who you know? Who I never heard of, and you know his headshot is twenty years old or twenty five years old, uh-huh. and I'm always like, "What the fuck happened to that person?" Right? Like his dream or her dream was the same as mine. They were dedicated. They were booked in this club. They booked. They went on the road. They were viable comedians, and I have been around for thirty years and never heard of them. 
right. what happened. Like, I always really feel like this incredible sense of, of, of curiosity about the, the, the majority of the comedians on the wall, and I don't know who they are. Yeah, and to people that haven't been into one of these older comedy clubs, I mean, it's just sort of, for me, that's one of my favorite things. You go in and they've got all the black and white headshots, the 8 by 10 headshots all along the wall, lining all the walls, and you'll look at them and you'll see, oh, look, there's, there's a young Jerry Seinfeld, you know, who's, you know, who's probably in his you know, 20s, and there's a young Jimmy Fallon, a young Adam Sandler, and then right beside it, that guy you're talking about or that, that woman you're talking about, it's... Uh, it is interesting, isn't it? You know, I mean, it's a, it's such a, uh, a strange business. So they, they were obviously doing enough to get their picture on the wall and to stay there for 30 years. So, Yeah, and that gig meant something to them. Like, they booked the, the gig, and they're like, oh, where's the hotel? Like, they went through the same process I went through to get that gig. And it's so many years later, and I don't ever remember even seeing them on TV. Did they give up? Did they, uh, are they, you know, one guy I remember I'd worked with like 15 or 20 years before. I'm like, oh, whatever happened to him? Like, oh, he's dead. And I'm like, I didn't even hear that he had died. Like, so he never made it to the top and he passed away and I didn't even know it. Like, I always wonder where these guys go. Like, what directions did they take? Um, And it it makes me sad. It also makes me grateful. It also makes me want to fucking move forward. But those are the people that I, I, I look at way more than the famous people. Yeah. Maybe someday someone will be looking at my picture on a wall like that. Who the fuck is that guy? Yeah, what happened? But they'll <laughs> always know you. You know, at least that, that's one thing. Nobody will ever go, who is that? They'll be like, oh, yeah, Tom Green. Yeah, he had that great show. Like, they'll at least understand who they're looking at. M- maybe, maybe. Guys, who knows? Like, who knows who? in 30 years what people will remember or know, you know? But it's, uh, I mean, it's interesting, you know? I mean, I, I, I know when I was a kid, though, and I sort of became aware of stand up. And started doing stand-up in Ottawa. You know, they had all the pictures on the wall. And, of course, Norm MacDonald and, uh, you know, uh, Jeremy Hotz and uh, uh, oh, bu- yeah, yeah, bunch, yeah. a bunch of can- Canadian guys from Ottawa were there. And they hadn't really blown up yet and in, in, in been in movies and stuff. They were still touring in Canada. But I remember just being so amazed by the fact that their picture was on the wall. And th- seeing, you know, there's no, I just saw Norm, but now his picture is on the wall. He hadn't even done Saturday Night Live yet, but I was, I just, and I, I just knew that he was hilarious, right? He was the most hilarious guy I'd seen in my life, uh, standing right in front of me. And now his picture's on the wall. And now he's getting on a plane and he's going off to Edmonton next weekend. And that seemed like the coolest thing you could even ever imagine being able to do to get on a plane and go to Edmonton to tell jokes. <laughs> yeah, to know that it was your job. Yeah. Like it is weird when you realize like this is the job like this is my job. Like sometimes you're like, yeah, you know, there's a pain in the ass with stand up or this fucking stinks or that sucks. But it's like this is my full time job. Like I remember when I dabbled and I started out and I was scared and I never thought I'd make a living. And uh then you're like, geez, I've been making a living at this probably full time for twenty five years. Like, it's the only real job I've had as an adult. Like, it's kind of hard to keep that into perspective sometimes when you're annoyed about the business. But, man, most people don't make it. Most people don't even get to to call it their real job forever, you know? I was happy to see you in The Irishman playing a young Don Rickles. That was pretty amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I uh, I didn't even have to audition for that. They just gave me the part. Like, I had to go in and be interviewed by Scorsese, so I went to Brooklyn. And I just sat with him and it was so fucking surreal. 
Like I wasn't, I was so, I was really depressed at the time. Just stuff in my personal life. And I was really fucking miserable. So I wasn't even nervous. Yeah. Like, I, I was like, I was too depressed and I wanted to jump off a building. And I'm like, oh yeah, I got to go meet Scorsese. So it was like, it was yeah. almost like the misery of my own life made that experience easier for me. So I think I handled the interview with him very well. Cause we just talked about comedy and bullshitted and, uh, you know, they, they just fitted me for like, uh, you know, the, the outfit and they gave me a little bit of a fat suit and, uh, you know, we shot it uh, not long after it was, uh, really a surreal experience to walk in. I walked into the fucking, it was in the Gotham comedy club. I walk in and uh, there's Scorsese and he's, and he's talking to De Niro and Pesci. Yeah. And the three of them are just standing there talking. And I'm like, what a weird, weird moment this is in my life. And I'm, I'm literally looking at the movie poster for raging bull. Like I, I wish I had asked the three of them for a photo together, but I just couldn't do it. I was, I couldn't do it. I was literally going to say like, you're in that moment, De Niro, Pesci, Scorsese, you're in the movie. Do you walk up and say, hey, do you guys want to take an Instagram pic? You know, can I tag you guys? No, I could, I, I already have a picture with De Niro and I already had one with Pesci. Yeah. So I, I, Scorsese was my goal. If I had already shot the scene, I would have absolutely asked the two, the three, I wouldn't give a fuck. But I hadn't shot the scene yet. So I want I, I wanted to at least give off the the of uh, the illusion of being professional, but I got Scorsese for a selfie on the way out the door. I had to, of course, I had to get Martin Scorsese. Uh, so I got him, and I, I chopped off half my head in the photo. But I do have the picture. But uh, it was really surreal. And I'm on stage, and I'm doing all these Rickles jokes, and I had prepared a bunch of extra jokes just in case, like because it was scripted. But then Scorsese, well, I just go up there and do some stuff. So I started doing Don Rickles material and I had done a bunch of it and they filmed me and then they turned the camera around on the audience and Scorsese came over and he goes, oh, Mr. De Niro has requested that you do your own material because he wants to like, he wants his laughs to be genuine. So he wants to hear something like for the first time that he hasn't heard before. <laughs> so like he wanted to hear like, like comedy that was like not, you know what I mean? He wanted to, when his last came, yeah. he wanted it to be legit. Yeah, sure. So I was standing there just doing my act. It was so bizarre, dude. I'm looking at Pesci and De Niro and you know how it is with camera angles. So they're shooting one way and I can't move. I'm just standing there to keep their sight line talking to De Niro and Pesci uh, doing standup. It was really a very bizarre very bizarre experience. And uh, Sebastian was in that scene, too. Uh. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.